Welcome to the podcast of New City Church. We hope this podcast inspires you on your journey of inward and outward transformation. Please join us on Sundays. You can find more information on our website, grownewcity.church. God bless you. We are in the final stretch towards Advent. This is the season of preparation. Christmas isn't just about like a rehearsal of all of these um, rote, familiar things that don't mean anything that we just kind of have to like muscle through and get through our shopping list and get to these gatherings and then leave. Christmas is about the arrival of Jesus in our lives and it's important. And like most important things, it requires preparation. And so Advent is the season of preparation for Christmas. It's a season of cultivating a posture of waiting, of preparedness, and of longing for a coming future. I tell you what, whether uh, it's in your personal life this week or just in current events, if you've seen or witnessed anything that doesn't feel quite right, that doesn't feel like it's in right relationship, then you know what it is like to be in a season of Advent. You know what it's like for something to need a type of healing that somehow like requires us, but something beyond us as well. That's what Advent is all about. Yearning for the coming of God, yearning for God's love to establish justice in the world. Anytime that you witness injustice, that is your Advent moment. And it's the opportunity to turn in prayer to God asking for um, God's love to, okay, I'm getting into the sermon before I'm getting into the sermon. So uh, do you all know what I mean though? Like Advent is all about preparation. Whenever you feel dissatisfied with the status quo, uh, Advent is there to remind you to turn that yearning towards God so that God might establish justice in the world. Uh, Speaking of prayer, we're in a sermon series uh, called Pray for Real. Shout out if you know the song that this sermon series is named uh, after. Pray for Real is all about the different ways that we can relate to God in prayer. So we've talked about wow, like adoration prayer. Whoa, God is big. Like I'm feeling awe. I'm remembering who God is. So, wow, I'm sorry, prayer's a confession. So like, wow, um, I'm sorry about uh, either actions that I made or I'm sorry for kind of collective ways that our society is missing the mark. Thanks is a prayer's of gratitude. So just kind of like prayers for uh, appreciation, gratitude, uh, prayers that remind us that we are not trapped in scarcity. And then help. Uh, uh, which I'm going to talk about a little bit today, um, prayers of supplication. So to get into this uh, reflection, let's look at Psalm 98. Psalm 98, reading from the Common English Bible, which was translated by my seminary professors. Uh, Here we go. I'm uh, going to read through it and then ask you to put a word or phrase in the chat. Sing to the Lord a new song, because he has done wonderful things. And I should also name, I'm going to be querying the pronouns of God throughout, but this whole psalm is about God, so anytime you hear any pronoun, it's referring to God. God's own strong hand and her own holy arm have won the victory. 
The Lord has made her salvation widely known. They have revealed their righteousness in the eyes of all the nations. God has remembered their loyal love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. Every corner of the earth has seen our God's salvation. Shout triumphantly to the Lord, all the earth. Be happy, rejoice out loud, sing your praises. Sing your praises to the Lord with the lyre, and with the lyre and the sound of music. Ah, with a trumpet and a horn blast, shout triumphantly before the Lord, our queen. Let the sea and everything in it roar, the world and all its inhabitants too. Let all the rivers clap their hands. Let the mountains rejoice out loud together before the Lord because she is coming to establish justice on the earth. She will establish justice in the world rightly. She will establish justice among all people fairly. Hmm. So um, in the chat, you can go ahead and say what word or phrase stuck out to you. Mm. Psalm 98. Okay, so let's just get right into it. First of all, it's funny. Um, I, I'm mostly focusing this week on prayers of supplication, which is like the help prayers. And ironically, this is not directly a prayer of supplication like we see in many of the Psalms. But I knew that this reading had to make its way into our Advent season because it shows what is coming. It's a preview for what we're about to witness. It's uh, reminding us who God is and by connecting us through prayer, reminding us who we are. Um, so a couple things here. First of all, this is, some scholars called this an enthronement. Aha, now that I have glasses, I can do this. Enthronement Psalm, meaning it's like uh, portraying what it, uh, what God's reign will look like um, and what the world that God desires is. It's like an enthronement, you know, throne. So really elevated theology. And um, I just love this text because it shows us that when we ask God for justice, it's not like God is not just, and then we have to kind of like a stakeholder engagement, be like, hey, God, remember to try to do justice. But it's more like God is just, God is infinitely just, God is more just than we know, can even imagine. And we're trying to like evoke that justice into the world. So, uh, so in this Psalm 98, there's a couple of things that I want to particularly point out. First of all, uh, Throughout the Old Testament, so the Old Testament are the sacred texts that we share with our Jewish kin. Um, the Old Testament is um, uh, written over the course of like thousands of years. And so it's a, it's a really, uh, it's an aged, <laughs> it's, a, it's putting generations of people in conversation with each other. You know what I mean? And, and it's describing like different eras of human history. And one of the ways that you see the theology morph throughout the Old Testament is how people relate to God, specifically the people of Israel. And so there's this people group called Israelites who like were like, whoa, we have a very particular relationship to God. We have people among us who have experienced God on mountaintops, who've witnessed God in fires, who have seen 
uh, like God in the midst of, of really desperate situations. And so the Israelites were like, whoa, okay, we like, this is what, this is what we're about. If, if we're going to be a people group together, then like worshiping God has to be uh, our main priority. And we see that in, uh, you know, in verse three, God has remembered his loyal love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. When we're talking about the house of Israel, we're talking about like that particular people group. However, over the course of uh, the Old Testament and kind of more or less emphasized, depending on what was happening in the historical context, we see claims that God isn't just the God of a particular group of people, but that God is actually a God of all people. This is actually a pretty radical concept uh, contemporaneously. Like there was a lot of other groups that were like uh, calling, claiming a God for a particular people group or for a particular geographic location, like a mountain. But this um, is one of the first steps, steps or strides towards a, an imagination that God can be the God of like everything, all of creation that God was there uh, in the very beginning when the earth was sculpted together, that God was the one who turned the lights on when the galaxy was lit, that God was the one who breathed into existence every human being and all creatures of the earth. And so in the Psalm, we see both of these represented. God has remembered his loyal love and faithfulness of the house of Israel. Every corner of the earth has seen our God's salvation. It's a, it's a both and of like, we ha, uh, have a particular experience of God as a, as a people sharing these stories and rituals together. And also we've seen that God's love extends to all the earth. There's something important there because I practice, um, like sometimes at New City, we call it Christian particularity, but not exclusivity, where it's like, um, I'm a Christian because I believe that the Christian tradition has a particular witness, truth, good news uh, to offer the world that cannot be replaced anywhere else. Uh, I have studied world religions uh, all over the world, actually, in, in uh, several different continents, been in community with a lot of different people, sat meditation and attended uh, various rituals and saw beauty uh, all throughout the world. And through that experience and later uh, through deepening my own contemplative practice, I realized like I am super duper Christian. Like I am in it for Jesus. I love Jesus in particular. And I want Jesus's love to be known throughout the world. I want people to know that there is a, a faithful, loving savior who is making all things good and new. I love Jesus and I love being a Christian, and I um, have witnessed and seen and appreciated lots of other faiths, but like, if you were to ask me, do, is Christianity the best religion? I would say, okay, I think best is already like a framework of the empire, <laughs> but um, uh, do I believe that the gospel is foundationally true? Absolutely. Why would I be in this job if I didn't? So, uh, so I do think that there is like a particularity there, but also it's, it's not exclusive. Like it, I, I think that, uh, Christians as we, especially American Christians, frankly, like, um, Western Christians, maybe if we're looking at like, uh, the past couple thousand years of history, but the, the point is like, um, Christians get all twisted in knots 
about figuring out who to exclude. And in so doing, they end up excluding Jesus. <laughs> because Jesus is always on the side of the marginalized. Jesus is always on the side of the excluded. So when Christians become agents of exclusion, we ourselves are excluding other people. And we see this in the Christmas story all over the place, that angels are approaching people who are marginalized, uh, people who were um, uh, poor, working class, people who were uh, homeless, and people who were uh, eventually turned into refugees. Like God shows up on the margins of society. And so if Christians marginalize people groups, and that like kind of turns us on the other side of the fence of where Jesus is. Do you know what I mean? And so, uh, so I, what I think the dance that, that we have here, and, I, and it's represented in Psalm 98, which is written before Jesus, right? Um, is, is this kind of both hand of like, I've experienced a particular thing and I'm committing to a particular thing. And I believe that that there is an expansiveness to all the world, uh, that, that God's love, the, the character of God's love is for everyone. But that doesn't mean we exclude people who decide to not be Christian. In fact, it's the opposite. Like we include people who decide to not be Christian because we're Christian. You know, <laughs> like, it feels so clear to me. Like we, like we reach out to people who aren't Christian, form relationships, solidarity with people who aren't Christian, uh, because we're Christian. Like that's what Jesus, how much time did Jesus send, spend talking to people who didn't share the same faith identity as him? Like, come on. So, uh, so I think that that's like an important dynamic that is not easily represented in Christian media or kind of in like the popular discourse where it's either like uh, Christians are just kind of uh, these like rigid, um, almost illogical <laughs> uh, people who are like acting in such a way that is creating violence upon violence in the world. Or Christians are kind of like this like, hey, anything goes and like there's truth in everything and therefore I don't have to commit to anything and I don't have to discipline, create a discipline in my life or anything or any type of ritual or meaningful community or like solidarity, you know, like those are not acceptable, <laughs> in my opinion. I, I think that we have to strive for a Christianity that is both grounded in a particular attachment to God through Jesus Christ, while also showing up for other people who aren't. And of course, like, as we're witnessing with horror, uh, what is going on in Israel-Palestine, I think there's some complexity or some nuance that even is reflected within Psalm 98. Like, uh, it is true that um, uh, Israel is the only Jewish nation in the world and that their historic, you know, like the Old Testament was written like in that exact area. Like Jerusalem is a really big deal for Jewish folks as well as other faiths, including especially Islam. But like Jerusalem is a really big deal. And I believe that people of religious traditions should have access to their ancestral homelands and to be able to connect with the, uh, the lands that birthed the, the texts that form their tradition. Absolutely, I think that's true. Uh, I also think that a mark of God's love is exactly what we're talking about in Psalm 98, which is like justice being spread to every corner of the world. 
Psalm 98 is saying that God is a God who cares about not just all people, but like all creation. Like there's a part in Psalm 98 that says, uh, let all the inhabitants of the sea rejoice. Like that means like fish, plankton, squid, whales. Like we're talking about people in the ocean uh, rejoicing. Like God's love goes down to the depths of the darkest ocean and up to the space, like whatever is out there. Like God's love is kind of like establishing justice for all people. And so like, because I'm a Christian and not despite of the fact that I'm Christian, I, ins- I feel a certain moral compulsion to speak out against injustice in any of its forms, certainly as uh, Palestinians are uh, experiencing massive displacement and genocide, uh, and, and also as uh, injustice is happening, uh, as uh, Hamas is um, uh, victimizing children and um, um, uh, civilians. These are injustices that uh, are not characteristic of God. And so my job as a person of faith, as a Christian, is to call that out in all of its forms. Our baptismal covenant says that when we are baptized by God, we are to resist evil in all of its forms. So I think like there's a real temptation to project U.S. racial dynamics onto Israel-Palestine. And I, th- and I think that that has led to some like really strange parts of social media, adding some strange commentaries into the world. But what I'm trying to say here is like, if anyone's kid is dying, then we've done something wrong. If there, if there's like folks living in terror, then, then we are not yet at God's world or established reign. And the role of prayer is to remind us that God is a God who desires justice and, and we can ask God for help. Uh, you know, I was talking to a, uh, a nice church goer from another congregation um, and that churchgoer said, you know, it just really stinks that this kind of thing is happening at Christmas time. You know, like Christmas should be like kind of a nice time when we can all be together. And it just stinks that it's like so hard to watch. And I, I think like, while I'm sympathetic to what she's saying, uh, what they're saying, what he is saying, um, like, I think... The whole point is that Jesus came into the world while there was like literally displacement, genocide, and international strife going on. The whole point is that like Jesus's message of good news to the world emerged while all the same things that are happening right now were happening back then. And God was trying to say like, hey, it's not that like we have to like get everything settled and then we can go worship God. God is saying, I am running to meet you in the midst of injustices so that humanity might have the hope required to imagine a new world, to work towards a new world. That's what Jesus came to show us, that God is in solidarity with all of creation and that God runs towards the marginalized. And when we are faced with impossible situations, seemingly endless strife and pain, 
when we hear the cries that we do not know how to console, that in itself is the Advent moment. That moment right there is when we start to pray, start to ask God to reveal a new way, asking the God of righteousness, righteousness means justice, the God of righteousness, how we might become more righteous, how the world might become more righteous, because clearly what's going on right now is not it. That's the Advent moment. So, uh, so it's entirely appropriate that really hard things are happening during Advent and Christmas because God's good news shows up in the midst of all of those things. Our challenge as Christians is to not look away from the pain, but to peer so deeply into the pain that we wrestle with it until we start recognizing where Jesus is showing up. That's the leaning in of Christians towards the suffering of the world. While everyone else is trying to forget, numb, and anesthetize, Christians of all people are supposed to be leaning into a sober truth of what is happening in the world, what injustices are occurring, and what imagination God might be inspiring within us to address those injustices. This is the thrill of hope, like we talk about in O Holy Night. The thrill of hope is that it's possible for us to change something, not because of the work of our own hands alone, but because the power of God moving through our own hands. That's what changes the paradigm for us. Um, I was listening to, uh, was it a TED Talk? Or, no, I think it was like at, a, at the University of New York. Um, Angela Davis was speaking and she was talking about community organizing. And she said, the main thing that creates change is people believing that change is possible. Isn't that something? The main thing that creates change is people believing that change is possible. And in that regard, Christians should be nonstop change agents <laughs> in that we're assured from God, we're carrying stories of assurance from God that, that new worlds are possible. I'm not saying that any of us have it perfect, and I'm not saying that I have it perfect, but I'm saying that when you think about the Christmas story, when you're looking at the tree and see that star on the top of it, when you see the um, red and white stripes on candy canes, all of these things are little reminders that the thrill of hope is still speaking, that God's Holy Spirit is still among us, and that a new world is not only possible, but inevitable, even for the fish. <laughs> Amen. Amen.